Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The truth is that this process has been painstakingly thorough. We made sure of it. Our intent was to be fair, comprehensive, and meticulous. Unlike House Democrats, we take the use of impeachment extremely seriously. And any shortcomings that Mayorkas may have, frankly, are your fault. He's asking for authorities to do more, to have more border agents, to have more resources. And so his limitations are caused by you. You put him in place. You won't let him do it. Are you We are ready. We are excited to be here at the Bat Center as we get ready for this uh, District 8 debate coming up tonight. Now, there are no seats available at this stage of the game. They've been uh, claimed by so many people. But you're going to be able to hear this live on the uh, great Colossus WBT. It's going to be remarkable. I am so excited. We're going to be here for the next four hours before the event uh, gets underway. All these phenomenal possible candidates coming in here. Uh, it's its just going to be really, really terrific. And I can't wait to see the great people who are going to be coming out, making their way here, seeing the candidates, and then getting to spend time with this incredible broadcast team, uh, including Bo and Beth, who are going to be moderating, uh, Pete Callender, uh Brett Jensen, Vince Coakley, um, it, it, it's it's going to be an unbelievable night. We're we're going to get a lot of clarity, and we're going to get a lot of uh, wholesome, fulsome discussion on the issues here, which I think is hugely important in, in so many different ways. The world, uh, really, the political world, and more specifically, the the world of North Carolina and South Carolina is going to be fixed on the District Eight uh, event. The the um, the day that people are going to be getting out there to vote and we're going to get to see what the results are going to be. We call that election day. 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. It's great to be here with you. You, you heard in the run-up to this uh, a couple of very interesting uh, uh, sound bites. Uh, you, you heard from Mark Green, who's actually running the impeachment of Mayorkas. And then, of course, you had um, one of your favorite people. And I know you, you may disagree but some of your favorite people uh, with the uh, with the <laughs> with the contributions of uh, Eric Swalwell. Uh, and so this is a, uh, a momentous occasion. We're very excited. We've got tremendous guests coming up throughout uh, this program. John Stewart's going to join us in the five o'clock hour. Uh, we, we've got uh, Brett Jensen coming up in the next segment um, to, to kind of forecast and to look at uh, what this debate may end up looking like today. And uh, it is a pleasure to be with you. Follow me on Twitter, if you would, at or is it X? Follow me over there uh, at Winterbull Show. At Winterbull Show, I will follow you back. Don't forget, we've got that terrific trip that we're going to be taking um, at the end on the other side of the campaign, which sounds like it's going to be from forever. Uh, but it's it's going to be coming up before you know it. Uh, Hogan Gidley joins us. Gordon Chang joins us. We're going to talk to some of the great people over at Americans for Prosperity. Um, and, and then Jeff Lord. I want to ask Jeffrey Lord a question because he was uh, instrumental in serving in the Reagan White House. And I want to know from him 
how it is that, say, a Cap Weinberger w- would have uh, handled uh, the situation relative to what it is we've seen with Iran. Now, I know I can hear the wise guys out there in the crowd saying, well, we know how they would have handled it. They would have paid them off. They would have paid the Iranians off. That was, that was uh, you know, arms for hostages. Uh, we, we know how that would have worked. Yeah, but when it comes time to hit back, what would Cap Weinberger have done? Uh, how, how could we have uh, forecasted that, um, given the circumstances we have? We still have a situation here where um, people are not satisfied with the answers that are coming out of the White House. Also, at the same exact time, there, there has been a, a hearing underway on Capitol Hill in the Senate. So, you know, the bloviation is maximum, except I got to give big credit to uh, uh, Tillis, uh, Senator Tillis, for coming in and, and, and basically warning these folks who are sitting there uh, running the operations of Facebook and Instagram and, and those uh, operations. I, I tell you what, uh, Senator Tillis looked at him and said, listen, you guys are going to have to figure out how not to harm children or we're going to figure it out for you. And you're not going to like that uh, in any way, shape or form. And so that that's one of the other things that's happening really contemporaneously right now um, as well. In the overnight, though, moves were made to impeach. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, I, I think it's a welcome move. This is a guy who has decided to wait till the last possible minute to, uh, to do his homework, to try to get the job done, to try to get all that stuff uh, squared away. And, and the fact of the matter is, um, he came up woefully short. You have people like uh, the heir to the Levi's fortune in Dan Goldman from New York coming out of Brooklyn. Uh, he's sitting there saying, look, he's trying to negotiate with the uh, Senate to try to get the border secured. Yeah, you waited long enough, three, three and a half years, to get the border secured. Um, it, it is far too long and far too ineffective for you to be taken seriously. Again, as I said, it reminds one of what it was like when you had uh, a paper due and you decided to start typing the paper at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, uh, and you hoped that you could write a 40-page paper. That's, that's, what, that's what Mayorkas is doing. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the people who have lost their lives making the journey. It's unfortunate for the people who have lost their lives uh, on this side of the border, uh, both Americans and people who have been trying to get into this country. And it is shameful. And so what has to happen now is they need to remove him from that position. That's my position. That's my opinion. You perhaps maybe have a different one at 704-570-1110. And I'd love to hear from you. Tell me about the great job that uh, Mayorkas has been doing. Uh, one of the great, uh, great statements that was made as part of this, and I want to play this, uh, uh, TJ, if I can. It's Clay Higgins, who d- gave a, a very compelling argument in the late hours of the night last night early in the morning and clay higgins uh just took him to the cleaners and made a a very compelling argument go and listen to me in 2019 we had the cartels on the ropes and we we spent 81 billion last year they rolled over us we're losing our country and we sent dhs 101 billion We spent more money, a lot more, in the the Biden administration. We're giving it to Mayorkas. He's supposed to be the expert. I mean, honestly, what does President Biden know about securing the border? That's why he hired a a secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. He hires this man. Yeah, it was his 22 years of service. It's his first 19 we were fine with. 
These last three, he's been destroying our country. And we're giving him more money to do it with. So what changed? My colleagues, what changed between 2019? You think the cartels changed? All of a sudden they got hungry for more money? No. Policy, executive policy out of our White House, out of your president, that began in January of 2021. This is why our country is disintegrating America. And who's ultimately responsible for that? The expert that President Biden hired. That's who we're impeaching today. Because we asked him to resign. We asked him to correct. He quite pompously and arrogantly rejected all of that and kept coming before this body and our colleagues in the Senate and tell them everything's cool. You can only poke the bear so long. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show live at Wingate University at the Bat Center as we get ready uh, to have an incredible debate for the District 8 uh, Republican nomination. It's going to be um, it's going to be an incredible night, and it wouldn't be uh, complete without breaking Brett Jensen, who joins us now. Uh, breaking Brett Jensen, good to have you on the program today. Thank you, sir. So, talk a little bit about what you're expecting tonight. What the what the big issues are that that you think uh, folks are going to be wanting to to hear about and to see how it is uh, we're going to go about selecting the next nominee uh, out of this uh, during this uh, this primary fight. And, and not only the next nominee, I'll go a step further. Uh-huh. The next congressperson, um, whether it's you know Lee Brown or the one of the five men. Because the winner of this primary will win the election, period. It's just the way it is. We'll win the general election. So the winner of this primary will be the representative going to D.C., serving as the District 8 representative. I'm interested to see a couple of things. I know there's some bad blood between a couple of the candidates. I already know that. I, I, I mean, I know some of that already. But I'm curious how much that will actually shine through. And I'm also curious as to see... How they say they're different from the other candidates. Like, do they all agree on every single policy? Do every single one of them, are they all pro-Trumpers? Are they DeSantis people? Like, what? how do they differ? Not just like, well, I own a business, and I'm a preacher, and I do this, and I'm in real estate. Like, okay, great. Congratulations that you have a job outside of running for politics. What? Where are you different from the others? Where, like... Are you different from any of the others in your policies? Do you, do you all honestly believe the exact same thing? And if, it, if that's the case, then it comes down to a popularity contest. I know there are a couple of things where a couple of the candidates disagree on certain things, mm-hmm. but we'll find out if they're, they're actually brought up. I would assume they would be, but we'll see. And um, that's what I want to see is how much they actually talk about how much there's differences in what they believe in terms of the political nature, not their backgrounds as the Boy Scout leader right. and everything else. Like, okay, congrats. Like, again, great. Everyone's got great things in their background. 
but what makes you different from them from an actual government official, not your background and where you grew up? Talk a little bit about about the the the, the Harris uh, component here, because this is somebody who has done uh, pretty 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 badly. Uh, I don't mean that he did anything badly, but he he was done dirty uh, in, in in many ways, and has a chance now to try to come ride back in uh, into the slot. What about that, uh, Brett Jensen? You know, it's wild. You know, that's the thing. A lot of people say, hey, he was done dirty. And a lot of people say he is dirty. That's why he was done dirty, because he is dirty. And so there are a lot of people on both sides of that ledger um, that feel like that he got exactly what he deserved, and others feel like. Oh. Wait, uh, uh, there you go. Continue, please. You got me? Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. You said there were people who thought he was dirty and that he was done dirty, so take that again. Yeah, yeah, the people that thought that he was dirty and done dirty and other people who thought that he got exactly what he deserved because he was responsible for what happened. And so, you know, and there are some people that believe that he was, you know, but he's also, there are people who believe that he was like a martyr, that they they went after him just like they went after Trump. And so... That's the interesting thing is that he is extremely polarizing. He's the most polarizing person in this race. You either really like him or you really dislike him. And I think some of the candidates are going to have their work cut out for them trying to convince people that, hey, you know, he got everything that he deserved, and this is why he's not suitable to go to Washington. And so that's going to be interesting tonight to see how much of his past of the November 18, 2018 election is actually brought up for tonight. That's and, the, that's, I also want to see that. How many of his opponents actually bring that up? And, and look, these are high-profile people in a variety of ways, whether it's in the business world, um, wh- whether it's in uh, politics itself, you name it. These There, there aren't really any... Um, ciphers in this thing right where where people are like hmm i wonder what that person even thinks about things um these are people yeah, I mean, who that's I think exactly are, right that, uh, that's that's why the, so this is going to be so fascinating like i said i i'm just you know okay great talk about the you know the positions and your policies okay great i, I want to hear that as well but i want to hear why this particular person whether it's mark harris or john bradford or lee brown or all any of them uh-huh. Why are they not fitted and suitable to go to Washington? Now, now here's, here's what I think. I think we need to have a fight count. And by a fight count, I don't mean people fighting. I mean how many times somebody says they're going to fight for you in Washington. Because that's <laughs> that seems to be a, uh, a tried and tested line that, that people use as almost a crutch. But the reality is you're going to be one of 435. And what you're going to have to do is to try to convince other people... Um, to work with you and to get stuff done, and that's that's an, uh, that's a pretty uphill battle right now, given how divided the Congress is. Well, and here's the other thing. Okay, you're you're like you said, you're one of four thirty-five. You're a rookie. Dan Bishop did something extraordinary in only two two terms. A lot of the country knew who Dan Bishop was, and right. that's extremely rare. For a congressperson going up there and only being by the third year in office, a lot of the country who follows politics, everyone knows who Dan Bishop right. is right. because of what was going on with McCarthy and everything else in the, yep. in the vote. So he made a lot of headway immediately. Uh-huh. Most of these people are going to go up there and not be heard from 
for six years, eight years, maybe even ten years. I mean that because like okay, like you said, how are you going to fight for me when nobody knows who you are? Well, that's going to be that's and, the thing. And, and to be honest with you, the other four hundred thirty-four Congress people don't care. There you go. Breaking Brett Jensen. He's going to be here tonight. I can't wait to see him. We're going to have a great debate tonight. It's going to be amazing here at Wingate University at the Bat Center. News Talk 1110 WBT live at Wingate University at the Bat Center as we get ready for the debate that's going to be coming up, a District 8 debate, which has implications for everybody. No matter where you live, if you live in the district or not, it does have implications for everybody because um, this is going to be a contested uh, seat. That is going to be interesting, uh, as you heard from uh, Breaking Brett Jensen uh, just a few minutes ago. Now, let's let's give a listen, if we can. To Joe Biden, this is yesterday's Joe Biden. Joe Biden talking about what it is that he needs to secure the border. And maybe you can help him with this. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. What, what did Joe Biden say? Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border control. Give me the people. Give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. I mean, I feel like he needs to play the song from the 90s. I've got the power. I need the power. He needs the power. This is the most powerful person in the world, maybe. I mean, he's the president of the United States, widely regarded as the most powerful person uh, in the entire world. And what do we what do we have happening here? What are we seeing here? He's telling us, I just need the power. I mean, if, was it James Doohan? We need more power. I mean, what, what, what does he need? What does he need? What he does is very interesting. He, um, he lays out all of the things that he needs when he plays. He says, give me the power. Give me the judges. Give me the money. Uh, give, me, give me the authority. Give me all that sort of stuff. He is the president. He wrote executive orders to open the border. He can write executive orders to close the border. He can create the Joe Biden uh, remain in Mexico policy. He can do that. But he chooses not to do that, which is a huge problem. It is a massive, huge problem. He's telling you he's powerless. You are not powerless. You are the president of the United States. You have the ability to find out where the aliens landed. You choose not to. And you have the authority to stop the aliens from landing across the border in an unauthorized fashion. I mean, this is not hard. It takes industry. It takes fortitude. It takes a commitment. But it's not a difficult thing. You can tell the Border Patrol, all right, from now on, everybody that's uh, coming across that border in an unauthorized fashion, you're sending them right back across the uh, way. You put them right back into Mexico, uh, and that's, that's how you handle business. You heard the caller yesterday who was stationed as a South Carolina um, uh, guardsman. He was stationed out in Arizona and was telling us how, how, what a busted setup it is out there. And we're paying for both ends of this. You have to understand this, okay? We are paying to secure the border where it is being secured. And that's being paid for by American taxpayers. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, the people who are securing the border are Greg Abbott. And what else are you doing? You're paying for all the people that are coming in. Did you see the video? It was, it was on a number of the news uh, uh, programs of these riotous... 
migrants who went into into uh, New York City and started fighting with the cops. I mean, this was insane. This was nuts. Fighting the cops. I mean, one guy had been arrested. He's a frequent flyer. He had been arrested four or five times. And one of the things that he did uh, was he bit a clerk in a, a department store because he was trying to steal a shirt. And when the clerk said, hey, yo, that's a $130 shirt. You're not walking out with it. He bit him. Now, I, I can't. I think there are probably three things that could start a war between individuals. The three things are spitting on somebody. Spitting is the, is the worst thing in the world. Biting somebody is the worst thing in the world. And then licking your finger and smearing it across the uh, upper lip. No, the upper lip, it's just the, the, that, that right there, that's, that's, that's a nuclear war about to go off. And so these guys are running around in New York City harassing people, uh, beating up the cops. And you know what's going to happen if the cops react, right? If the cops react, I mean, it'll be, it'll be Rodney King part, part two, part five. Uh, th- that's, that's what it'll be because they don't want... The people in New York City do not want law and order to take root. You know, a lot of people got away with a lot of nonsense during the COVID crisis. Well, the COVID crisis is over. And so now it's back to, it's back to clobbering time. It's back to putting them in the pokey. It's back to putting them in the cooler. This is what you got to do. You got to cool them off, put them in Rikers, leave them in a jail cell, and then, you know, f- process them through, through the courts. But you don't have the will any longer. This is the fundamental failing of, our, of, of the system in our country. You have people who think nothing of stealing, who think nothing of raping, nothing of murdering, nothing of assaulting. And, and, then, and then when they get caught, some wacko judge cuts them free, cuts them loose. What, what, what is it? You want to know why so many New York license plates... And, and, and so many Ohio license plates and Pennsylvania license, license plates are, are coming down into North Carolina and South Carolina. It's because these are people fleeing lawless communities in the hopes for law and order. And, and that's, that's, that's what's going on here, folks. This is what we're looking at. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not hard. Once you start enforcing the laws, you start to get results. And once you start enforcing the laws and, and they see bad guys going away for a substantial period of time, you'll rebuild confidence. But you have to also remember at the same time, this fundamentally comes down to resolve and whether or not you have the resolution in hand to fix this problem. I'll take your calls straight ahead. Hogan Gidley is going to be joining us, former Trump uh, traveling press secretary. Going to get his thoughts on a couple of these big stories as well, plus your phone calls. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull, it is great to be with you here today. Um, Hillary Clinton says that right-wing extremists are going to try to steal the 2024 election. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what she's saying. She is she is saying that right wing extremists are going to steal the uh, the the twenty twenty four election, which is like uh, remarkable. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Hogan Gidley's going to have a thought about that. I mean, we're going to be catching up with him here in a uh, in a jiffy. But here's here's the thing that that I look at 
with with all the stuff that is going on here. There is no secret to how this election, broadly speaking, is is going to have to go. There, there is no difficulty figuring this out. What we understand that is happening is is really basic. It's the economy, and it is safety. Now, those are the two most important things that any age group can understand. Um, if, if you want to have a, a job and you want to be able to provide for your family or you want to provide for yourself, you want to create a business, all that sort of stuff, that's one thing. That's great. But when you go across the spectrum and people are nervous, you know, uh, fixed income folks are nervous, uh, young people coming out of college are nervous, uh, mid-level workers are nervous, uh, executives are, are nervous. It's a big deal. And, and the safety and security component is, is huge. I want to welcome to the program my very good friend, Jay Hogan Gidley. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Hogan Gidley. Uh, Hogan Gidley, good to have you on the show today. Wanted to get your thoughts on the impeachment move against uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. I, I was talking to somebody earlier today who was saying, well, this is all just for show. It's not going to mean anything, yada, yada, yada. What, what do you think about this move against uh, Mayorkas? Well, it's important for several reasons, not the least of which is there are laws being broken in this country by people who are in here who don't have a right to be. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, when you're looking at, you know, the arguments a lot of these Republicans are making, it's not about policy. It's about getting to the bottom of why so many in this country are dying based on the refusal to enforce the laws mm-hmm. at the federal level. And I'm so sick and tired of the Biden administration looking around and saying things like Joe did yesterday. <laughs> I've done all I can. That's, right. impl- that's not true. Because the previous administration, Donald Trump, without Congress put a lot of things in place that prevented the release of millions of people into our communities. Joe Biden has done the opposite. This is an executive problem, a crisis created by the executive branch. And Joe Biden is looking around at congressional solutions. That is completely wrong. The American people know it. I hate to be shrewd here. I hate to be crass. But if it were me and I was the governor of Texas, Yep. I'd stop sending these folks to New York. I'd stop sending them to Chicago. I'd send them into Pennsylvania. I'd send them into Michigan. I'd send them into Arizona, Nevada, all these swing states out there and go, wait a minute. These are the policies you guys say you wanted. Yep. Your leftist governors will not get rid of them. They're going to kick you out of hotels, mm-hmm. kick your children out of schools to put these people in this country illegally there and then watch them squirm even more so than they're doing now. That is a brilliant idea. That is a brilliant idea because you're putting it you're putting it in the swing states that can go either way, and and that's look. I mean, as it is, the 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 uh, the, the Arab Americans who are living in Michigan have about had it with Biden because they don't like that he's supporting Israel. But on top of that, you throw a border crisis in there. Uh, you've you've got you've got a a, a a fifteen or a twenty point deficit right out of the box for him to try to make up that 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 growth. I mean, it's it's insane and. Look, you were there. You saw what it looked like in, in the White House when this effort was underway to secure the border and to do that stuff. And I, I certainly am old enough to remember when you guys were getting sued for trying to build a wall. I mean, it was absurd. Right. And that's what I'm saying. We were making all these actions and activities, working with Mexico, yep. 
for safe third agreements where if you're fleeing a country and you have to travel through Mexico, you're fleeing that country because of real uh-huh. persecution or fear of life, you have to stop in that other country. You don't get to just travel around to pick the country of your choice. Right. Also, if you're applying for asylum, 85%, 88% of those who apply for asylum are found to really not be worthy of it. Right. Joe Biden just lets them into this country with a tag and say, here's your court date, come back later. <laughs> You're supposed to wait on the other side of the border. You don't just yeah. get to roam free in America before your court date, which is what we did in the Trump administration. That's right. um, those are just a few things, a few examples of what an executive can do. And I will say, it is always fascinating to me to watch the left brag about a pen and a cell phone so they can do all these things That's that are right. antithetical to the Constitution. Right. But when it comes to actually upholding your duties, uh, you swore to under the Constitution, mm-hmm. they seem to have misplaced both of those items, or somehow they've run out of ink, or their cell phone isn't charged, <sighs> because Joe Biden has the authority and has the ability to protect this nation, to stop the flow of illegal immigrants across our southern border, and he just refuses to do it. That's and right. you and I have talked about before, Brett, it, it, it's, either, it, it, it's either by design Right. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. It's not by accident. And my my friends on the left will say, wait a minute. No, no, no. He wouldn't do this on purpose. Then he's a moron because only one of two things can be true. Either he's doing it on purpose or he doesn't know how to stop it. And he's a buffoon because the previous administration did stop it. That's right. That's left you to understand and believe it is on purpose purpose they want to flood this country with people they think will ultimately end up voting for them that's right they can gain and maintain political power because that is the mentality of the left 100 percent. that's exactly right all right a quick a quick observation and and tell me if i'm wrong you're a very smart astute person you understand the politics and, and what's going on here i feel like this move against cory bush is is only the latest thing um that that has come down it looks to me like somebody maybe hakeem jeffries maybe joe biden has decided to go to war with the squad yeah, I don't know about that. I think it's one of those deals where and they're trying to say, see, the DOJ is nonpartisan. See? It's not doing the bidding of the Biden administration. What? And what they're doing is just going after someone yeah. that they think is unpopular. I'm sure polling tells them that's the case because, you know, they don't do anything sure. without you know, a, a political approval to do so. So who knows what will happen here, whether she gets in trouble or not. Yeah. But it, the, the broader problem is the left had been trying to defund the police to leave you exposed, me exposed, everybody in these cities exposed. Yep. But yet they get to have all the security they want, and they're going to use taxpayer funds to do it. It's a problem on many levels, and I'm glad it's being exposed. Absolutely. Absolutely great stuff. Hogan Gidley, it is, it is great to have you on the program, get your perspective. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. We're, we have a District 8 debate tonight live at Wingate University in, in North Carolina. It's going to be a huge event. This is going to be a, the, the, one of the biggest battles uh, for, for the congressional seats, and uh, we are excited to be here live at Wingate, and I'm so glad you were able to join us today, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, buddy. God bless. Y'all have a great day. You as well. That's uh, Hogan Gidley, Jay Hogan Gidley. Follow him on Twitter. A great guy. Uh, understands a, a lot of the nuances of what it is that's going on here in this in, in this race right now. Now, in addition to that, um, I'm going to be bringing on at 420, I'm going to be bringing on uh, Gordon Chang because I've got questions for him, and I'm wondering 
what it is that this administration has got planned to deal with Iran and the threats that we've been seeing coming in from Iran. And one of the things, no doubt about it, is is the fact that we know the president is going to go to the dignified transfer of of the, the lost um, uh, uh, soldiers who lost their lives at the hands of the Iranian mullahs. And they're going to try to blame the militias, and they're going to try to do this and that. The Iranians did this. They murdered three Americans and wounded in excess of 50 Americans with a drone strike. And now we wait to see how Biden will respond, if he even will respond. To be continued. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993, WBT, Brett Whittable, live at Wingate University at the Bat Theater. As we get ready for the District 8 debate that's going to be taking place tonight, you'll hear it here on uh, WBT. And, of course, um, you're also going to be able to uh, hear our commentary on the way up to this uh, debate, which begins at about uh, 7 o'clock. Stick around. Uh, Speaker Johnson gives his blessing to a bipartisan deal that is pro-growth. Hold on. This is per Fox News. Uh, Speaker Johnson has endorsed a bipartisan tax bill as conservative pro-growth reform. The bill has faced some pushback, but is widely expected to pass tonight. House Speaker Mike Johnson is uh, coming out in support of a bipartisan tax deal that is scheduled for a vote later on Wednesday. The Tax Relief for American uh, Families and Workers Act is an important legislation to revive the conservative pro-growth tax reform. That's what they're uh, looking to do here. And um, what he's hoping to accomplish uh, by doing this is to, you know, get a little mojo happening. It it feels like since he became the, the speaker, and, you know, admittedly, I, I, I supported his his uh, his run for the speakership. It, it seems to me that he's been sort of stuck in neutral a little bit. The Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act is an important bipartisan legislation to revive the uh, pro-growth tax reform. Um, that's what he's doing. Chairman Smith, that's Jason Smith. Uh, deserves great credit for bringing the bipartisan bill through the committee with a strong vote of confidence for marking up related bills uh, under regular order than uh, earlier than in than past con- Congresses. The bill is a result of negotiations between the House Ways and Means Committee, uh, Chairman Jason Smith from Missouri, and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, you know, if you ever watched uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I, I always think of Ron Wyden as uh, Funkhauser. Um, it is aimed at a temporarily expanding uh, the child tax credit while also reviving key tax deductions for small businesses, including for research and development conducted inside the United States. Now, it is facing pushback from an unusual coalition of conservative and moderate Republicans, but with different reasons. GOP hardliners have claimed the bill's child tax credit would be available to illegal immigrants. Smith says that's not true. Hard to know, hard to figure out. 
Meanwhile, moderates, specifically from the suburbs outside of major cities like New York City and Los Angeles, were frustrated the bill does not touch the state and local tax, the SALT deduction caps, that they have argued is a critical issue for their swing district constituents that could make or break House Republicans' uh, chances of holding on to the razor-thin majority in November. Now, that goes all the way back to the early days of the Trump tax reform. Remember, he was uh, he was instrumental in getting those tax rates chopped down, but what he did to do it, which sounds like a confusing phrase, but what he had to do to accomplish that was uh, jacking, uh, jacking up the, uh, the amount coming out of uh, the blue states. Well, you know, New Jersey is adjacent to New York. People that live in New York but don't live in New York City um, uh, feel like they pay too much in taxes at, at any rate. This is a really, really heavy-duty fight that's going to be underway. And so what I would say, to be honest with you, is let's just cut all the taxes. Let's just chop it down and cut it. You you are not able, you're not able to, to control your spending on your own end. Maybe with the idea of a deficit, you'll be able to get people to behave themselves. A group of New York Republicans threatened to tank a procedural vote for an unrelated GOP-led measure over the SALT deduction. But two sources told Fox Digital that they later secured a commitment from Johnson to bring a separate targeted SALT bill to the floor, which is another big win. So you are going to cut the taxes of the people. You're just not going to cut them right now. And so this is this is a kind of an interesting uh, period of time that we are uh, that we are looking at here. Uh, this is this is a very interesting uh, b- bit of information. Have you been following the issue uh, surrounding the the Chiefs fans who ended up dying in the backyard of uh, of of the one other fan? I saw the reporting this morning, and I was absolutely stunned. So I guess two of these people were found on the ground in an odd position. I I don't know what that would be. And somebody else was found laying in like a chaise lounge outside. This story doesn't make any sense to me at all. I I, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where it's going. I don't know how this is happening. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly a, an, an unfortunate event, and the cops keep saying there's no, it's not foul play, it's not murder, it's not foul play. They just don't know what's going on. Really, really uh, weird stuff happening. Also, in addition, and I've got uh, Gordon Chang coming up on the program here in just a couple of minutes. Um, I'm going to ask him uh, about this particular story. Chinese cyber attacks are intended to induce societal panic across America. That's what security directors are telling the Congress. That they're purposely trying to create panics in the United States. And uh, that's designed to try to knock us off off balance. China's strategic plan to infiltrate the U.S. cyber infrastructure includes attempts to induce panic and unsettle everyday American life. A witness testified to Congress on Wednesday. Jen Easterly, director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, told the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party that ransomware attacks on U.S. businesses or critical systems are intended to induce societal panic. Well, you know, once upon a time, two could play that game. 
unfortunately, it's not once upon a time anymore. Um, we are obviously very vulnerable to uh, any measure of things. I mean, look, look at the people that are still running around with masks on their faces. Um, look at the people that are that are still demanding, you know, uh, this or that, and they, they don't want to play ball. Well, the reality is we kind of have a permanent induced panic among a particular sector of people, and that's a shame. Because we used to be a country that was dedicated to the notion of uh, rugged individualism, stick and confidence. And we've been rattled. Something changed in the last three or four years. News Talk 1110-993-WBT live at Wingate University as we are preparing for uh, the District 8 debate coming up later tonight. You'll be able to hear it right here on WBT. It's going to be a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, debate, and I'm looking forward to it. Somebody who I am also excited about is uh, Gordon Chang. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. It is uh, great to have you back on the program where um, I-, I wanted to reach out to you, Gordon, and ask you, Uh, about what we've seen take place with the killing of our um, three service members, three folks in the uh, in the Army Reserves. Um, And I wanted to get your perspective of how this is being viewed in China. It does seem seem once again that this president and this administration um, are are kind of uh, uh, falling apart at the seams. What's going on here, Gordon? Well, first of all, I don't think Beijing has commented on this um, in terms of the lack of reaction from the Biden administration. Um, there has been no American response except for uh, the administration to say, eventually there will be one. And really what the problem here is Beijing can see that it's an administration that is at best conflicted, that mm-hmm. it doesn't know what to do. It's been days now since those three service members were killed over the weekend in Jordan, and there has been no retaliation. And I think Beijing looks at that and says that the administration is incapable of, first of all, protecting servicemen, but also incapable of protecting American interests. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, is it possible, just in, in terms of looking at the, br- the broader picture, is it, is it possible that the administration is, is afraid to take aggressive action because of all the blowback they've had from the Hamas protests, especially outside the White House, and then that, that threatened uh, insurrection inside the White House by the staffers? Are they, are they gun-shy about doing something because of what the blowback might be from the Iranian uh, sphere? Yeah, I don't know, because the Biden administration doesn't talk to me. Um, But I do think, though, that's a reasonable supposition of yours. And the other thing is, we have heard, um, in connection with the deaths of the three service members, Mm -hmm. and in other contexts, that the administration is afraid of escalation. Now, of course, nobody wants a major war, but the point is that American service people have been under constant attack. There have been about 125, 130 attacks on American facilities in Jordan, Syria, and Iraq. And the response on the part of the administration has been pinprick counterstrikes that obviously have not deterred either the proxies or Iran. And so um, this is going to continue. The deaths of those service members was virtually inevitable. And Biden obviously could have stopped it in various ways, but he didn't because he was worried about this or worried about that. 
once uh, a cycle of violence has started, you can't worry about escalation. What right. you have to do is worry about getting it over with, and Biden won't do that. It is reminiscent of bombing the aspirin factory uh, when we were going after Osama bin Laden once upon a time. Yes, but we know who's behind this. Yes, um, we do. Yes, and, we do. And the Biden administration and Biden himself have mm-hmm. talked about Iran fueling these attacks. So unless and until you go after Iran itself, these attacks will continue. And going back to your first question, China sees this, the unwillingness to deal mm-hmm. with the culprit. And so Beijing could reasonably think, yeah. well, you know, if I do something in East Asia, Biden will be afraid of taking me on because he's just chicken. They're also well aware of our enlistment numbers right? and, and the difficulty of recruiting young people to come into the services. I mean, they, they see what's going on with our military. It's a it's public record that we, we're having a very difficult time uh, recruiting people under the Biden administration, which is... And it's not just uh, shortfalls in recruitment. It's, it's everything else as well, it sure which is. has been publicized. So the U.S. military is not the force that it needs to be at this moment. Shocking uh, and, 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 and painful at a max. Uh, two two things I wanted to ask you about really quickly. Uh, one, there was a hearing held today. They were talking um, about this dis- this desire by um, uh, by elements in China to try to create, to induce sort of systemic panic among the American people. Uh, you know, where you've got uh, where you've got. Uh, the the idea of getting out there and doing uh, cyber uh, issues, uh, people with ransomware, all that sort of stuff. Um, is that is that a new phase now where we're trying to see uh, what China is looking to do to us to, to create panic among uh, our markets, among our people and, and all that sort of stuff? Well, no, I don't think this is new. China's been trying to do this for quite some time. The plans have been known. Chinese officials have talked about this. I'm glad that Director Ray actually talked about it in public today at the House committee hearing. But nonetheless, this is something which has been known for decades, Brett. It's just it's so it's so disgusting uh, all the way around. Um, finally, ever uh, Evergrande. Um, this is a story that that I, I noticed a couple of days ago. Um, this looks like it's potentially a, a, a terrible thing for uh, the Chinese economy. What, what's your uh, estimation on this, Gordon? Well, Evergrande has more than three hundred billion dollars in liabilities. Has about maybe two hundred and. $50 billion in assets. The problem is that the liquidation in Hong Kong is not going to be effectively able to deal with Evergrande's assets, most of which are in the mainland China. And the mainland courts, the mainland provincial and local officials are not going to honor um, any sort of order from a Hong Kong court. This is going to be extremely messy. Foreign investors are going to see the disaster. And so, yes, this has real um, problems for the Chinese regime. Is it is it possible that uh, that the the CCP would need to liquidate some of their positions in treasuries uh, to try to to try to backfill this sort of stuff? Is that is is that a is that a possibility, Gordon? I, I suppose it's a possibility, but it's extremely unlikely because Beijing um, those reserves, which they say are three point two four trillion dollars at last yeah. counting, um, are probably a lot less 
because a lot of the assets, quote-unquote, uh-huh. are actually in non-liquid reserves that should not be counted as part of a country's foreign exchange reserves, according to IMF standards. China doesn't have the money that it says it has, wow. and it's not going to bail out Evergrande. Wow, this is uh, this is going to be a, a very, very tricky uh, journey moving forward here. Uh, I really appreciate you coming by on the program today. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang, at Gordon G. Chang. Thanks so much for your, for your, uh, for your analysis and sharing your wisdom with us, Gordon. Oh, well, thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. That's, uh, that's Gordon G. Chang uh, checking in. Uh, look, this is, this is a really frightening reality that we're dealing with here um, because we have uh, a sense that there may be a little bit of paralysis setting in as it relates to um, how it is we're going to handle our, our, our foreign uh, policy uh, approaches. And that, that matters in a big way because in this world today, everything is basically known. People know if America is strong. People know if America is weak. And, and by looking at the border and the way it's being handled, um, that tells us it's weak. When you look at the enlistment numbers, it tells you that we're playing from a weaker hand. And one can only imagine the catastrophe if China were to make a move on Taiwan and Iran were to make a move uh, on, 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 on some other territory uh, involving the United States. This could be catastrophic. And um, it's, a, it's a real uh, tragedy to see how far we have come because we were trying to uh, essentially soft soap uh, the Chinese Communist Party. It is, it is absolutely maddening. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Yeah, economics is a huge issue uh, for this uh, upcoming election, uh, obviously. And I want to welcome to the program uh, somebody whose work I, uh, I greatly admire, uh, and that is uh, uh, Akash uh, Choguli, and he is the Vice President of Americans for Prosperity. And uh, it's the nation's largest free market grassroots advocacy organization. Um, uh, it's it's good to have you on the program, Akash. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm well. Listen, I, a question for you. As we look at what's happening with the economy itself, um, we know that we have we, we have plied on there, you know, twenty two, twenty three trillion dollars of spending since nine eleven. Basically, um, we have got uh, a, a real crisis when when you when it comes to looking at people being able to to purchase a house, to do new household formations, things like that. A lot of people are stuck in a rut. What is the pathway forward uh, for people who, who want to see this economy on fire like it was just a few short years ago? Yeah, I think the first principle always has to be for government is do no harm. Now, unfortunately, the exact opposite is what's been the case uh, for the last four plus years between the COVID shutdowns, the trillions and trillions of dollars in quote-unquote stimulus funds that were passed, the thousands, tens of thousands of pages in regulations that are making it harder to do business and build things in this country. Um, so I think we really, we really need to get back to that first principle of do no harm. The second issue that I always look to is energy. Right, Our energy policy uh, has been kind of a disaster the last three years. 
Uh, it's been unreliable at the very least. Um, those are going to be two things we have to have to get right if we're going to make it more affordable to live in this country, because the way we make it more affordable to live in this country is having government within its means, and we lower the cost of producing and working in this country. So, so look, we understand that it's hugely important to be able to bring uh, immigrants into the country, for people to bring in and to refresh you know, our economy, to, re- to refresh and to build new businesses, and all that sort of stuff. That's hugely important. But we now have, what, 5, 10, 15 million charges that are now under our um, uh, under our president right now who who have come into this country we don't know how this is going to work out what about the immigration component relative to the economy itself yeah I mean I, I think it's a little bit of a question mark right as you mentioned immigration is, is hugely important to our economy our employers uh, have 10 million open jobs but I think people rightfully feel insecure or worse about what's happening at the southern border. I think we absolutely need to get that under control. Americans deserve to know who's coming in, when, why, and how. Mm -hmm. Uh, That simply is not the case, given the situation at the border. And it's very difficult to move forward with a productive conversation about immigration reform, uh, you know, when that's what's going on at the southern border. Oh, I, look, I totally, I, I totally get it. I totally understand it. By the way, I, I have kids, and uh, you know what? The economy makes me, makes me and them scream at the same time. I can't, I can't lie about that at all. Here's the, here's the question for you, though. Um, when, when you look at this picture moving forward, you have very thin margins there in the Congress right now. I mean, you can barely get a bill passed and things like that. How important is this 2024 campaign that's coming up here, and what are you guys doing to ensure that we do have prospects and we do have success for the uh, for the for the generations moving forward. I, I mean, it's absolutely essential. Look, let's put it this way: if, if the Democrats un- end up with a trifecta, President Biden gets reelected, they take back the House and oh. retain control of the Senate. Uh, the first thing they will do is eliminate the Senate filibuster, right? That requirement that oh. policy change requires sixty votes in the Senate. If they do that, there's no telling what they will do. They can already raise taxes with a simple majority in the Senate. They'll do that. There'll be more of the reckless spending. They'll pass. You know, pro-union bills, anti, uh, you know, anti-energy bills, and so the the possibilities really are are endless in an unfortunate way. What our organization is doing, what your listeners may be familiar with in North Carolina, we've been active for almost 20 years. We're engaged in more than 200 races from the top of the ticket to the bottom. That includes Republican primaries, that includes general elections, uh, our Super PAC Americans Prosperity Action. Uh, we have already knocked more than seven. We've talked to seven million Americans between front door conversations on their stoop uh, and, and phone calls, talking about what issues are most important to them, what issues move them, uh, and talking to them about the candidates that are going to put us on the right path. What we're doing is working hard to elect policy champions who are going to get spending under control, yep. who are going to fight for American energy dominance, uh, and really, frankly, just put the American taxpayer ahead of the American government bureaucrat at every level. That's uh, you know what AFP Action is doing, been doing better and bigger, frankly, than any other organization in the country. But the only way we can do it is for people to join up uh, and and be part of our movement, which they can do at americasforprosperity.org. Listen, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Uh, We're looking for solutions out there. And and certainly um, your organization is one of the uh, the engines that we could certainly learn from. Um, uh, It's it's a real pleasure to be with you. Uh, Akash uh, Choguli, it's a pleasure to be with you. I really appreciate you coming by on the show today, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, you're very welcome. I mean, look, this is this is an important issue all the way around. And I'm telling you right now, folks, if, if they blow up those tax cuts, oh, it's going to hurt bad. It's going to hurt. Kyle, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, sir? 
Uh, yes, uh, we were talking about uh, on uh, the SALT tax deductions yes, earlier. Sir. Yes, sir. And uh, the issue there is that what SALT does is it lets blue states and people who live in blue cities yes. run by Democrats keep a bunch of the money that would normally be paid to the federal government as federal taxes. Yep. It's uh, And so really, like... You don't want to let the salt taxes uh, tax deduction go any higher than it is. That was one of Donald Trump's biggest successes when right. he was the president. Right. Was to uh, was to blow that up and say, hey, you know, people who live in blue states, mm-hmm. do you really know how much you're you're actually being taxed? Because guess what? It's a lot. And oh yeah, it basically lets their con- their states get to keep all that money. It, it is. And, and, and you know what? Some of the worst uh, offenders are the states that have high property tax rates and, and they, they, they will gouge people to the point of screaming. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. And then you factor in all the other income tax elements and things like that. The problem with it, though, is you run the risk and I don't know how the balance gets struck, but you run the risk of exterminating the Republicans in those states. And I think that's where they're complaining. Like the, the, the few Republicans that you see, like in New York State. Remember, uh, you, you've got Elise Stefanik is somebody who's a very, very effective legislator in the state of New York. Um, you've got people in these blue states that, that are fighting hard. Uh, uh, you know, you see people like uh, Mike Garcia in, uh, in, in, not Mike Garcia, uh, the, the guy from Simi Valley in uh, in California that that these are people that you don't want to see them get blown up and so it, there's got to have to be a balance there some way because we do need to keep a majority if if you want to see conservatives continue yeah. to help run the country and the, and the problem there is that if you if you let them take that salt deduction and then raise it uh-huh. you you're you're really hurting your yes. attempts to actually win any seats at the state level or in those cities, right? Because all those people don't have to feel the pain of how much tax the Democrats are actually putting on them right. because they just rob from the federal government uh, and, and reduce your tax load at the federal level. But yep. then that hurts Republican states because that means we're basically like in here in North Carolina or Texas, you're basically subsidizing those blue states because they're getting... You're darn right, Yar. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Kyle, a great call. I appreciate you being out there. and Thank you for uh, jumping in on the show today. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brent Witterbull Show. Great to be with you. Uh, Coming up in the next hour, Bo Thompson, John Stewart, and uh, a whole bunch of other great things happening. I'm so happy to welcome back to the show, though, uh, Jeffrey Lord, uh, a veteran of politics, uh, the American Spectator, all kinds of great stuff like that. And I've got a question for you, Mr. Lord. Here's here's what I have for you. I want you to project back in time uh, when you're in the Reagan White House, and we've got these 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 pirates off of Libya attacking American assets. We've got terrorism happening. We've got the Iranians uh, b- backing uh, the, uh, the 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 different uh, kidnappers there in Lebanon. What 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 would what would Casper Weinberger have done in that regard? What would the people that were the real hard chargers defending uh, this country uh, on your watch there, uh, what, what would they be doing? Would they be uh, trying to figure out a pinprick strike to try to send the right message to the Iranians? Well, I can tell you they would be very hard line. Uh, Cap Weinberger was a superb Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. He played a key role in Ronald Reagan's strategy of peace through strength. And uh, 
the 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 big thing always was to make sure that your opponents knew that you were serious. And I I may have told you this before, but it's worth repeating. Mm-hmm. When uh, the Federal Air Traffic Controllers Union went on strike uh, in August of 1981, it was against the law. Federal employees don't have a right to strike. Right. And President Reagan came out and said, if you strike, I will fire you. Now, there were something like 11,000 of them. Wow. And uh, their union leader, who had, strangely enough, backed President Reagan when he was a candidate, uh, was intent on this. And uh, the whole Washington establishment wisdom was, well, Reagan can't possibly do that, because (laughs) what will happen if he does? Well, Reagan, they went on strike. And Reagan fired them, all of them. (laughs) And they finally negotiated their way back in. What we didn't realize at the time was this was seen as a message by the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. and its leaders of the day, Brezhnev, Kasijin, and then later Gorbachev. And they began to realize that when Ronald Reagan said something, he meant it, and he would carry through. What you've got here is a situation where America's enemies don't think Joe Biden believes what he's saying, that he that he's weak, mm-hmm. and and that in turn produces all sorts of real problems around the world. I don't think for a second that Vladimir Putin would have invaded Ukraine mm-hmm. had Donald Trump been in the White House. Uh, ditto. I don't think Hamas would have invaded Israel mm-hmm. for the same reason because they all think, you know, what would Donald Trump do? We can't. We can't trust him. He might actually do something that he says he would do. Uh, th- that That is just always valuable in when you're conducting foreign policy. Peace through strength is a baseline. This is something that, I mean, I think I'm right that George Washington had, in essence, the same belief. And, of course, he, of all people, had the record, you know, don't... Uh, don't interfere with the Declaration of Independence or we're going to go to war. That's right. <laughs> they did and he did. <laughs> so, look, this is not a president that, that puts any fear into anybody in any particular way. So, so how do we separate ourselves as the American people, proud people, tough people, what have you, from the policymakers in D.C.? Because it feels to me, you look at those enlistment numbers now in the military. I mean, this is a real disaster, Jeffrey. Well, that's, that's the thing, and that's the rock and the hard place. That's where we're stuck. When you have a president who is uh, weak like this, and we've had them before. Jimmy Carter certainly comes to mind. Uh, you know, we're stuck with them until the next election. And uh, by the time Jimmy Carter faced off against Ronald Reagan, the American people knew he'd been pretty much of a disaster as a president. And uh, they gave Reagan a 44-state landslide. Uh, it, it, I mean, that's that's what happens. I, I don't really have much doubt that Joe Biden is going to get clobbered yep. this November, assuming he stays in the race uh, for, for both policy reasons and his own physical situation. Yeah. I mean, Americans are watching this unfold every night on TV and realize the guy has uh, dementia and he's got a real problem and he's physically yeah. weak. Uh, my old uh, CNN colleague, Van Jones, who used to work for President Obama, uh, <laughs> said the other night that the best Biden strategy for his campaign is to hide. <laughs> yes. 
Let's see, this is yeah, this is, man. I think you got something. Yeah, you got. Well, it worked the first time, but but there's no pandemic now. So I mean, there 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 we go. Um, Jeffrey Lord, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. I, I so appreciate your insights in this regard, and um, you know we got to strap in because this is this is going to be a wild ride between now and November, my friend. Boy, is it ever! It's already being a wild ride, and uh, yeah. So it, it, as I always say to my friends, buy popcorn stock. Absolutely. And watch Jeffrey Lord on Newsmax and uh, all of his great commentary. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much for being here. All right, my friend. Anytime. Bye-bye. You you got it. That's Jeffrey Lord. I'm Brett Witterbull. Coming up, Bo Thompson and Jon Stewart. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to cross the streams, brought to you by PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Uh, Bo Thompson joins us. And uh, Bo Thompson, you and I were kind of goofing around a little bit this morning, uh, sending uh, sending uh, different text messages to each other and, and uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, all the fun stuff. We've got this debate coming up tonight. And you know what I decided I was going to do, Bo Thompson? What I was going to do was I was going to send you a picture from inside the room where I'm standing right now because I'm, I'm broadcasting live here. And so I'm, I'm sending it to you. Uh, right now, you can see what the room looks like. It's uh, it's a beautiful uh, room here at uh, Wingate um, at, at the Bat Center, and it's going to be a tremendous night tonight. We're going to get to ask a lot of questions, and I think a lot of stuff is going to get learned. I'm very excited. Uh, I can send you a picture of me sitting in traffic on Independence Boulevard no, on do t- University. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Holy cow. Uh, we want to be safe and uh, sane, uh, obviously. Well, I'm, I'm at a stoplight. I'm not going anywhere. So, uh, But I'm, I'm on my way, I promise. I believe it. I believe it. So uh, how, for people who may not remember the last time you, you, you all hosted the debate uh, of, a few years back, talk a little bit about the dynamic that goes on here when we start to hear from these candidates. Well, the last one we did was for the... Uh, it's similar, not quite as many candidates, but uh, tonight we have six. I believe then we had uh, either eight or ten. But mm-hmm. we, you know, that was for the old ninth district that, ironically, Mark Harris, who's part of our debate tonight, mm-hmm. uh, decided to step down uh, when they declared a special election stemming from the uh, alleged uh, ballot uh, scandal, alleged ballot improprieties that went on there in Bladen County. Mm-hmm. But they declared a special election, and so what was born out of that was uh, uh, a primary race, much like tonight, uh, for that seat. Mark Harris stepped down, and one of the candidates that was among those in our debate several years back in 2019 was Dan Bishop, who Uh went on to win. And of course, tonight, this six-way battle is to be the nominee to uh, replace Dan Bishop and and run for this, uh, this now District 8 seat. And another full circle moment, in a way, if you're comparing it to the last debate, is Lee Brown tonight, who mm-hmm. uh, is one of the uh, participants, was also a candidate in that primary. So there's some similarities uh, to what we did then, to what we're doing. As far as format, uh, very similar tonight, although we have two moderators instead of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time around, 
before Beth got here, so it wasn't just me. But tonight we have Beth and me. And then, of course, uh, similar to uh, several years back, we have the WBT air staff. Uh, and a little bit different because we didn't have all the people here now that we did then. And, you know, radio is uh, changes over time. So we have a slightly different uh, format tonight. But, you know, Vince was part of this a few years ago. So was Mark Garrison. And, um, and, and now we have some, some new faces since the last, uh, last go-round. But, you know, we have two moderators and then a panel that consists of our air team. And as uh, I was talking to Mark Garrison and Beth the other day, you know, this will resemble tonight uh, half debate, half radio show. And I think that's the beauty of it, actually. It's really what's makes it, it, it's what makes it special because um, you don't have to uh, position yourself for TV, right? We are. This is a a, a radio uh, event, so it's going to be very heavy on the focus of the messaging and what people are saying and the positions that they're staking out. But also, in addition to this, and I and I, I sound like a broken record. I say it every chance I can. People that live here may not realize looking out to the rest of the country what an important place this is because time and time again since i've been here in 2020 to now um this is the this is the absolute epicenter of the political fight that goes on in this country and has for for a number of years obviously and so that's one of the big special things about this because the whole country is going to be paying close attention to this race Absolutely, and you look no further than the direct impact that Dan Bishop has had That's in right. a very short time in Washington. That's I mean, absolutely. There he is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, li- uh, a little over a year ago, right in the middle of the the, the speaker battle that ultimately elected Kevin McCarthy, yep. and then he was a, a very influential part of the second go round that uh, ended up uh, where we are now. I mean, uh, it does not take long if you are. Uh, a savvy representative and you know the lay of the land and Mm -hmm. in dan bishop's case obviously you're a uh, a weathered politician to make a a pretty sizable impact in washington dc and i think you know i I think all of these candidates tonight have seen um Mm -hmm. uh, you know regardless of what side of the aisle you're on i know that uh, i know where we are tonight but if you're a political observer period whether or not you agree with with dan bishop's uh, policies uh you know, start to finish, you have mm-hmm. you cannot deny how quickly he was right there on the forefront on the national scene and and a power broker there in D.C. in the House. So I, I know uh, without even asking them that those candidates on stage tonight, yep. uh, that's not taken lightly on them or they don't take that lightly and realize uh, what a great springboard of an opportunity this is if you take it and you run with it and and look the thing that's so interesting about that in addition is look people have a choice when they get to washington they can be a show horse or they can be a workhorse uh, dan bishop was an, a very effective uh, workhorse and is 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 so committed to public service that he's now running for the for the ag job in in uh, in raleigh which is a huge undertaking and let's be honest it shows you a lot about his his character that he's willing to take that challenge on, having been successful in the Congress. And Dan Bishop climbed the ladder. I mean, Dan yep. Bishop was a state representative. Dan Bishop was a county commissioner here in Mecklenburg County. And mm-hmm. if you look down the list tonight, I think it's also very interesting, uh, the backgrounds of the candidates we have. I mean, we yep. have six candidates. Mark Harris, I think the most recognizable for obvious reasons. Uh, but you have people like John Bradford, who's the guy who uh, has been a, a state house representative in District 98 for 
several years, I think since 2014, and he's the guy who succeeded Tom Phillips when Tom mm-hmm. Phillips left to run for U.S. Senate, and we know how that ended. Yep. And, uh, you know, people like Alan Balkum, who's a, a farmer and, a, and a, a business owner in Union County, uh, you've got uh, a, a well-known nationally uh, uh, renowned author, Don Brown. You have yep. Lee Brown, who's a, uh, a very well-known uh, uh, realtor in town here. And, and like I said, ran last time around. And then Chris Maples is a uh, uh, elected county commissioner from Richmond County and also a school teacher. So varied backgrounds. And yep. I am really interested in hearing all of them make their case tonight. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so do yourself a favor, folks. You're going to want to be tuning in uh, to this debate coming up tonight. Well, we're, we're going to be starting, uh, is it at 7, Bo? We're, we're going to be... Uh, Beth kick, and I will kick. be on with a, a pregame show of sorts at uh, 7 o'clock, and mm-hmm. then at 7.30 we will crank things up at the debate, and the plan is to go 90 minutes. And uh, if you can't be there tonight, if you don't have a ticket, uh, the whole thing will be on WBT, and no doubt... Throughout the day tomorrow, starting with uh, Good Morning BT, we'll, we'll be recapping all the moments. And uh, uh, so this is the place to be. This is uh, election headquarters in North Carolina tonight. Great stuff. Looking forward to it. All right, get, your, get yourself over here. We'll get situated, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll begin the festivities uh, thereafter. Thanks so much, Bo. Uh, we'll see you in just a couple of minutes. I'll see you soon. You got it. News Talk 1110-993 WBT, Brett Winterville live at Wingate University as we get ready for the District 8 debate that's going to be uh, kicking off tonight, pregame at uh, 7 p.m. And we are so uh, grateful for the, uh, the the partnership with uh, Wingate University, tremendous institution, and uh, it's going to be a phenomenal event tonight as we get closer uh, to it. Let's, let's jump out and talk to Martin, who's been patiently holding on. Uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. I have a couple of things I want to discuss with you about the foreign sure. affairs uh-huh. and the uh, immigration. Yes, sir. I'd like your honest opinion if, hey, I'm right on target or Martin's nuts. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. One is the foreign affairs. Why yes. don't we go back to being neutral? Don't mm. get involved in anything. Mm-hmm. But we bring back black ops. Somebody does something to us. We mm-hmm. have an unmarked uh, aircraft. We come in. Kabloom. Hey, man, mm-hmm. wasn't us, man. Sorry. Right. Pa- pa- plausible deniability. That's that. I, look, I don't have any issue with that at all. But, yeah, but they hit but, us again. Oh, ba-boom, something bigger. But, but when me, you man. say... I don't know what you're talking about. But when you say, but when you say neutral, like, so we would be a neutral nation. Well, well we wouldn't get involved with the, as much of the U.N. as we have been. I right. right. Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe we should stay there. I don't know. Well, here, but, here's the challenge. <laughs> The challenge is we no, have treaty responsibilities with, like, NATO and ASEAN and those sorts of things. And so that's one of the challenges that we're dealing with, because we are committed under law, basically by law, to come to the aid of, of countries uh, that are, if they're attacked. And what's interesting is America's the only country that the, uh, that, that the article was invoked upon uh, as a result of an attack, and, and that was uh, September the 11th. So... You know, it, it's, I think it's going to be very difficult to try to go to neutral and, and still try to aggressively okay, we'll go after the bad guys. He's doing our thing, but we don't get as involved. We just kind of do things. I, I'm good with that. It wasn't me. You I'm know what I mean? That. Yep, I'm good with that. I, say, I, hey, someone's hitting us back, and we don't know who. Mm-hmm. You know who it is, but it wasn't me. Yeah, I would hope. I would, I would hope we would know. Um, what did you want to say about immigration? Um, they keep talking about the wall. Yes. 
And I'm very passionate about this because the, the spouse is in a uh, non-passport uh, visa-friendly thing. So we had to wait a year and a half for sure. the official processing opposed to just walking over and yelling, I'm here! Right. So, yeah, I'm very upset right. with that. Right. Uh, why not? And people say this might be excessive. You build a wall. I don't mean any wall. A sheer 40-foot concrete wall about half mile back on our own side of the border mm-hmm. that goes from the Gulf of Mexico all the way over to the Pacific Ocean. Right. So when someone rolls up on it, they look to the left, they look to the right, and they're like, holy cow, Batman, what is this? Yeah. So if they try to go over this 40-foot wall mm-hmm. and look over, well, surprise, it looks something like you see in Los Angeles in the water areas. Okay. It goes down another 20 feet from the mm-hmm. base, goes across another 100 foot, and then goes back up again, which every half mile roughly would be where the uh, border patrol towers would be. Now, if somebody did get down into the uh-huh. basin, as you would want to call it, uh-huh. you just send out the dune buggies, you pick them up, you send them mm-hmm. back to the other side. But but you're forgetting something. And I'm, I, I'm, I, I, the steam is going to come right. out of your ears. I'm sorry to tell you this. The steam is going to come out of your ears. Um and the environmentalists are going to say that you have to have the ability for deer to cross and you have to have lizards being able to cross and all that kind of stuff. And Mexico is going to get upset because the wall is going to be ugly and all that sort of stuff. And that that, that I'm telling you, that's that's I don't agree with it. But listen, I mean, I grew up in the desert. I remember what it looked like. Uh, and it goes on and on and on and on for miles. But, you know, we have to have the willingness to do something to protect, right? You know what I would what I would do right now is I would use air support. I would use air support. I would I would figure out how to work with Elon Musk and and and, and be able to use uh, satellite technology to to monitor, um, you know, the eye in the sky, uh, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's 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 a very frustrating set of circumstances. The other thing I would do, uh, uh, Martin, and, and this is going to sound like it's a very you know mean thing to say, but I'm going to say it. Um, if they want to do a, a deal, if, if the, the Democrats want to do a deal, what I would predicate the deal on would be this. Anybody who has crossed from 2020 to this period of time, n- none of you are going to get American citizenship. That's it. Well. It virtually wouldn't cost anything, I believe. I did a little number crunching on it. Mm-hmm. And you might like this one on how to pay for all that. How do you pay for it? Uh, statistics say there's about 15, 20 million uh, yes. illegal, if that's the right word, immigrants yeah, yeah. in the country. Uh, undocumented, right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to a couple of my friends doing trade who hate here under that fall in that category. They're like, no, nah, man, it's like 30 to 40, maybe 50 million of us. There's, that's yeah. people say that. Uh, why not get them to sign up and say, we're not granting you amnesty. Mm-hmm. But what we will do is we'll allow you to process an adjustment of status to be permanent resident and or apply for citizenship. Mm-hmm. If you help build this thing and we will pay your... Look, I'm open to anything like that. Martin, I'm open to anything. I, 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 I think you're, you're, you're... What I like about what you're talking about is... You're you're thinking about this as opposed to being emotional about this, like so right. many people are. And I'm glad you brought this up. And I'm really happy you held on and you spent time with me. You call back anytime, Martin. I really appreciate the time with yeah. you, sir. And the great part is, if you got 20 million illegal people 
I'm sorry, undocumented people. Yeah. And adjustment of status does run about a thousand dollars an individual. If you do that, well, you multiply. That's twenty billion dollars. Yeah. Except when it's not. Except when it's not. But yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Martin, great call. Appreciate you being out there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We are live at Wingate University, uh, the Bat Center, and we are just about... Plus or minus an hour and a half away from the beginning of the uh, pregame. And I am here with the chairman of the District 8, John Stewart. Good to, good to have you here, John. Hey, Brett. How you doing? It's, it's great to be here. It's great to be with you. I, I think it's a, a real honor and a pleasure to be here with these tremendous candidates. And why is this night special and why is this race special? Well, you know, the 8th District as pretty much the key to North Carolina. Now, we're gonna, whoever wins this primary is going to be elected Congress. But whoever runs statewide races, they got to do real well in uh, the 8th District as well. So, you know, the 8th District really is the heartbeat of getting Republicans elected across the state. Uh, as far as tonight, this is huge. This is the only uh, broadcast uh Debate. There's going to be a few other debates and forums, but they're going to be local, uh, small things. Uh, this one is being carried, and as we know, after dark, it goes from uh, Maine to Cuba. Mm-hmm. So the entire East Coast can tune in and listen to the, the debate tonight. Uh, and I'm really excited. We have six great candidates, and any one of them will be a, a good congressman. We're, look, we're, we're obviously thinking at the same time about what a great job that Dan Bishop has done in that in that spot, uh, how, how important uh, this seat is. And really, you know as well as I do, the, the, the eyes of the world are going to be uh, on this district because it's, it's going to be a big fight. It is. Uh, you know, when... Uh it was starting in 2019 with uh, when Mark Harris was the nominee, and then the Democrats poured millions into it. They tried to flip this seat, and they didn't even come close. And then we had a special election, and they did it again and poured millions in, and they still couldn't flip the seat. And I think they just see the writing on the wall now. And, you know, like I said, whoever the nominee is, they're going to be the congressman from this seat or this district. Uh, what's interesting about this um, this particular race is the very small time uh, window that they had. Mm-hmm. Typically, people running for Congress probably have a year. They know they're running. They're going to, you know, they're laying the groundwork and all that. Because the Democrats keep suing for new maps every two years yeah. in North Carolina, literally, I, we've had maps almost every two to four years for the last 14 years, wow. where other parts of the country, you do it every 10 years and you're set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've this particular map wasn't even released till the end of September, October. Wow. And then filing was in beginning of December. So they only had maybe two months to decide they were running for Congress. And then now it's two more months. So it's been four months. Right. And voting starts in five weeks. Wow. So you're looking at a very compressed time frame for these people. If you don't have name recognition, four months to get a big district like this to get mm-hmm. your name out there is uh, it's going to be a challenge for some people 
Now, with, with, the, with the way this race is running right now, or, or how the race will be run, uh, as we're doing the debate tonight, we're going to be asking some questions, you know, and, and I think this is going to be a very fair hearing for, for, for everybody. Um, do you get the butterflies, even though you're not up there on the stage doing the, as a candidate for something? I don't, because <laughs> hey, you know, I'm not on the stage. <laughs> but, you know, you know, hey, you know, it, it's a big night for these people, and, and, and you know, this could help determine who the winner is. So, you know, I'm sure they're they're going to have butterflies. But yeah, absolutely. I get to sit back and watch. You get to watch so, it and see how it all unfolds, right? Exactly. Um, let me let me ask you broadly about uh, the fact that, look, North Carolina is the epicenter of the political world. I mean, it just is year in and year out, race in and race out. Um, you know, are, are you worried that, that there are too many uh, liberals moving down from, uh, you know, up north uh, coming down to bring their politics? Not really, because I have found a lot of the people moving down mm-hmm. north or south are more conservative who are fed up with the liberals Good and realize, answer. hey, they got to get out of here. So, you know, we have seen a, a lot of people moving in, but, you know, for the most part, you know, they're the retired policemen and firemen oh, and who are typically a little more conservative. And, you know, they, they just uh, fit in. And after they've been here a year or two, they realize, hey, it's good here. I don't want to mess up a good thing. That's outstanding. Uh, visiting with John Stewart, who is the uh, chair of the uh, District 8 for this debate tonight. Uh, it's going to be very, very special. So um, is there anything that, that you would want to uh, kind of say to the audience about what they might expect here in terms of uh, the way this is going to go? Uh, I'm guessing it's not going to be a particularly nasty debate where we see that sometimes happen. These are people that all generally pretty much know each other. Yeah, you know, I, I don't expect, you know, like I said, a, a lot of uh, Victor All or anything like that. But as I was saying, it's such a compressed mm-hmm. window that if they're going to make a move, they, they got to do, do it, it now. Uh, you know, they got to do something to separate themselves from the crowd. So while I don't think it's going to be vicious in any way, but I think you will see people trying to. Uh, differentiate themselves between the other uh, candidates and you know like I said you know early voting even starts before five Mm -hmm. weeks so you know Tonight's the night that they really need to the big night. Uh, make a move and try to you know move position themselves to the front of the pack. Yeah, I'm getting visions in my head of, of NASCAR races and the, you know trying to draft off each other and uh, beating and banging a little bit you know and you know that's rubbing it. his race Ru- yeah, rubbing his race each other off the stage <laughs> a little bit you know we'll be watching them come up the stairs see if they yeah. you know trip each other or whatever. Let me uh, let me ask you um, just just in the last couple of minutes that we have here together um, your 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 perspective in. in terms of what WBT does and the reach and things like that. Um, it's a hugely important brand, obviously, but it's also very community conscious and, 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 and looking out there for, for the best possible product and compelling stuff. It is. Uh, you know, WBT is a big part of Charlotte. And when we put this debate together, that's why, you know, WP, WBT is the only person I called, mm-hmm. you know, or the station. I said, hey, you know, we're going to do this debate mm-hmm. and we would love to partner with you to do it. Plenty of other radio stations and TV stations, but I know, you know, WBT, mm-hmm. is, you know, this is what you do best. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys are fair and, and impartial. And so I said, I would reach out to you guys. And uh, like I said, this is the only phone call I was making because I knew you would do a great job. <laughs> and how cool is this? It's it's a radio debate. That, you have to put your thinking cap on and listen and not, you know, and not, not, not disappear into the... the 
the, the show. Well, you know, it's funny. We, you, you know, historically, the one of the first debates between uh, Nixon and uh, Kennedy. Kennedy, they say it's a totally different debate That's from right. the people who listen to the radio mm-hmm. and those who watch the TV. Yep. The ones who watch TV thought Kennedy won. The ones who listened on the radio thought Nixon did. Yeah. So, you know. Radio makes you pay attention. It you does. can't, you know, let your mind wander, and, you know, look at the scenery or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what these people are saying. The other thing I want to uh, swing Please. back to real quick. Yeah. As I was saying, you know, all the other most of the other parts of the country, their ma- their maps have been locked in place. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, what's interesting is because we have new maps, currently we have the we have these maps that were drawn by the Democrats and they made a 7/7 split. Mm. The new maps, you know, favor Republicans. So while the rest of the country is pretty much locked in, and we know the House only has a five-seat majority, mm-hmm. it looks like the Democrats will lose probably three seats, and the Demo- uh, Republicans will pick up three seats. So that's a six-seat swing. Wow. While the rest of the state country is locked in, if everybody, you know, there's always a couple upsets here and there sure but for the most part so north carolina really is going to impact mm-hmm. the power you know in dc for sure so instead of a five seat yep. now we'll have a 10 12 seat cushion mm-hmm. and you can get things done a little easier little breathing room yeah yeah you know you don't have to worry about one person getting mad and blowing the whole no. thing up we don't want to see that. John Stewart is too much drama in that one, man. I mean, that is just, you know, forget it. Um, John Stewart, it is so great to, to spend this time with you, and I really appreciate you hosting us and, and having us here at Wingate. And we certainly love the people at Wingate uh, University to, to be doing this. It's a beautiful theater. It's going to be an amazing night, and we're really excited to be partnered up with you. Yeah, we really do appreciate Wingate. You know, they're a big part of the community as well in this area. And, you know, they have been so accommodating. They open their doors, anything we need you know bring everything in they really are great and we do appreciate their hospitality it's gonna be phenomenal uh congratulations and uh let's get on to this uh let's get on to this debate my friend tonight all right thanks thanks john stewart ladies and gentlemen News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show as we are uh, just about an hour and nine minutes away from uh, the pregame uh, coverage that's going to take place with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. And then we're on to the uh, debate itself beginning at 730 here at Wingate University. It's a real pleasure to be here for WBT's North Carolina 8th Congressional District GOP primary debate. And uh, it is going to be a, a debate that a lot of people are going to be talking about. So uh, I'm very excited excited uh, it, about what we're going to hear tonight. We're going to have some great questions that we're going to submit to to each of these uh, folks who are here gathered together. And look, I would be remiss if I didn't note that it's very important to recognize and to respect um, the folks that decide that they want to put their hat into the ring uh, to run for office. It's a sacrifice in many ways uh, in an era where there, you know, is, uh, politics are, are, are all over the place. Um, you we, we really need to salute the folks who are willing to be, um, you know, citizen legislators and citizen Congress people and citizen uh, senators, you know, and, and, and it's easy to take pot shots at them. But, you know, they've decided to try to get into this fight. And it's with the intention of making the country a, a better place entirely. Very interesting conversation with John Stewart in, in talking about uh, the number of seats that could potentially flip here with this map, uh, the map, generally speaking, and the 
fact that you might get a little bit more breathing room. You might get 10, 15 seats that will then make it possible to uh, legislate without a potential uh, crash at some point because one person has decided that they want to change something up. So that, I think, is also uh, a plus in a very, very big way. Uh, I'm still stuck on what's going on, though, with, with, uh, with the Iran uh, with the, the Iran issue in killing our troops, wounding many of our troops in Jordan, a, a non-belligerent country. That is a country that we have partnerships with, and they have decided to send in their militias to go in and try to kill American service personnel. And we lost three amazing people, people who were the love of their families' lives. And uh, we have got to do something about this. Earlier uh, yesterday, John Kirby was doing the uh, the, the coverage uh, for Corrine Jean-Pierre as it related to the national security questions. And one reporter came up, she's a reporter out of uh, Canada, and she came up and asked a very direct question to John Kirby, and John Kirby did not like hearing this question. And this may very well be an issue that comes up during this debate tonight. Let's hear from John Kirby. This is an election year. Is the president looking at his polling when he's weighing all of these options, is the president looking at what? My goodness. That's a heck of a question. He's not, not looking. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Let me just stop you right there. Let me finish my Commander in chief is not looking at polling or considering the electoral calendar when he's defending. How they feel about the war on Gaza? Oh, now, can I answer the question? He's not looking at political calculations or the polling or the electoral calendar as he works to protect our troops ashore and our ships at sea. And any suggestion to the contrary is offensive. Is he looking at the polling with respect to, does the American public want a broader Middle East conflict when he weighs his political decision making? Ma'am, I've answered that question. Okay, let's go. No, you didn't answer that question. Is he weighing that? He is not concerning himself. Uh, with the political calendar. The American public have the opportunity to weigh in on whether they want Ma'am, made I, in America I have stamped your, on the bombs that are going to be dropped. We're going to move on. Go ahead. Here, here's the thing about this, okay? Politics is absolutely front and center. If politics wasn't front and center, or, or a consideration, then we could just go drop an atomic bomb on, on Iran and it would just be like, whatever, who cares? Um, it doesn't matter. No, but people are going to take into account uh, the policy and the impact of that policy and that decision. Now, is the question before the table for you or me? Um, no, I'm not the president of the United States. You're not the president of the United States, but you're a citizen of the United States. You're a resident in the United States. You're somebody who's here watching the ebbs and flows of these things. And let's be honest, it's, it's not just the American people that are going to be impacted by this. It's going to be the people of the region and Iran and Israel, etc. And don't forget that there was, for all intents and purposes, an insurrection that went underway inside the inside the house and uh, the uh, the White House, with the staffers who went out there and protested and, and said that this is not uh, the way we should be doing things vis-a-vis Hamas and their paymasters there in Iran. This is a big deal. This is a big deal, and unfortunately, I, I think, and I've said this repeatedly in the last few weeks, 
Joe Biden is much more comfortable insulting the MAGA people, insulting the the America first people, the Trump voters. And he doesn't talk as tough when it comes to Iran. He doesn't talk as tough when it comes to Hamas. He doesn't talk as tough when it comes to um, verifiable security issues that we are dealing with. And that, to me, as far as I'm concerned, is wrong. It's wrong. Because people disagree with you on tax policy, because people disagree with you on border security, because people disagree with you on all of those things, doesn't mean that they're insurrectionists or evil or bad or terrible or, you know, the, the, the whole song and dance. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is, is abundantly clear to me. I don't know if it's abundantly clear to you, but it's abundantly clear to me. It's also clear to me that we've got another great hour straight ahead. I'm going to let you hear from Clay Higgins. He is uh, a very, very tough man coming out of Louisiana who's got a message for this president and who's got a message for Alejandro Mayorkas. Plus, we'll take your calls as well. 704-570-1110. If you want to submit a question, you can uh, call in and tell us what you want us to ask about tonight. I don't can't guarantee that It'll end up on the stage, but let's hear your thinking tonight as we get underway with this primary. WBT's North Carolina 8th Congressional District GOP primary debate just about uh, pregame, about an hour away. I'll be keeping you company until 7. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Lost for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. The following takes place between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. We are here live at uh, Wingate University. It is great to be here. We got people starting to come into the uh, to the uh, arena here where they're getting ready and excited uh, to be a part of this debate. So the question I would have for you uh, this hour is what question would you ask of these candidates who are coming out for the uh, North Carolina 8th Congressional District GOP primary debate. It's going to be a, a a really great time here tonight. And one of the things that I think is definitely going to be coming up is the uh, decision that has come out of the uh, Homeland Security Committee to impeach uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the, uh, of course, the Secretary of uh, of of Homeland Security. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to have the votes to be able to actually accomplish this, but they are sending an important message. Message. And Clay Higgins, who is a Republican, uh, former law enforcement, um, uh, still very active in, in terms of uh, that, that end of things, um, said earlier today in the wee small hours of the morning as they were debating and going back and forth with the impeachment of, uh, of Alejandro Mayorkas, he, he said this, and I think it's a, it's a very compelling argument he made in favor of impeachment. Go. And listen to me, in 2019, we had the cartels on the ropes, and we, we spent $81 billion. Last year, 
They rolled over us. We're losing our country. And we said DHS $101 billion. We spent more money, a lot more. In the, in the Biden administration, we're giving it to Mayorkas. He's supposed to be the expert. I mean, honestly, what does President Biden know about securing the border? That's why he hired a, a secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. He hires this man. Yeah, it was his 22 years of service. It's his first 19 we were fine with. These last three, he's been destroying our country. And we're giving him more money to do it with. So what changed? My colleagues... What changed between 2019? You think the cartels changed? All of a sudden they got hungry for more money? No. Policy, executive policy out of our White House, out of your president, that began in January of 2021. This is why our country is disintegrating America. And who's ultimately responsible for that? The expert that President Biden hired. That's who we're impeaching today because we asked him to resign. We asked him to correct. He quite pompously and arrogantly rejected all of that and kept coming before this body and our colleagues in the Senate and tell them everything's cool. The, the word that strikes me most in that clip is the word our when he says our country is disintegrating like that is a very powerful image in our minds because it it traverses from the place where he's talking about meaning Alejandro Mayorkas getting tons and tons of money and still we're not able to secure the border because of the executive orders, 74 executive orders that were signed by the president when he came into office and the end of the remain in Mexico policy and all of that sort of stuff. Um, don't forget that that end of, of uh, the, the end of the COVID component happened just in the last, you know, what, eight months, a year. And they said it's going to get really bad. Well, it's been bad for a long time. It's been bad from 2021 uh, to the present time where you've got, depending on the numbers that you want to look at, it is it is uh, 10 million people, it is 7 million people, it is 9 million people, it is 20 million people. But it's the image, it's the wording that Clay Higgins uses at the idea of disintegration. Disintegration is a very powerful image in your mind. And what he says is not that the border is disintegrating, he's saying the country is disintegrating. And all you have to do is look at the airports where blue city mayors have decided they were going to put migrants to sleep in these shelters, these makeshift shelters in airports, Chicago, New York, Baltimore, many of these places where these migrants have been shipped, have been put into a particular location. You think about the dangerous cities in our country right now where six years ago it wasn't that way. It feels like there is a, a death rattle taking place in so many urban areas that there is a disintegration and the people who are left behind are the people who can least bear the problems that are in those cities
You have a president of the United States who claims that he is caring for the least of these. And yet, violence on the streets in Chicago, violence on the streets in New York, violence on the streets of D.C. Did you see that Donald Trump's um, a CFTC guy was, was carjacked earlier today? Uh, this... This is our capital city. We're talking about the capital city of the United States. We're talking about Baltimore. We're talking about Philadelphia. We're talking about uh, an epidemic of violence. And at every turn, what is the answer? The salve. What is the salve that is offered up? The salve that is offered up is, yeah, we just don't need to put people in jail. We just don't need people going to jail. P putting people in jail doesn't accomplish anything. Well, you know what putting people in jail accomplishes? It, it, it accomplishes those people that are now in jail not being able to go out and reoffend uh, 25 minutes later or an hour later or, 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 or two days later. You know, go ahead. When you, when you go into a, a city, go to any city, any town, Pick out the person that you think deserves to be a victim of violent crime. None of you would ever think that these people should be victims of violent crime. You, you would never say that. It's a terrible thought. But that's what's happening with the criminal justice system right now. You have district attorneys who identify as defense attorneys. You have defense attorneys who identify as district attorneys. And, and they don't want to put anybody in jail because it's just not right to put them in jail. Well, so who should take the beating? Who should take the carjacking? Who should take the assault? Who should take the rape? Who should, I mean, who is it? How does it work? This is a fundamental problem. And so I think Clay Higgins' word disintegration is a hugely important phrase. A hugely important phrase. I don't want to see my country disintegrate. I want to see my country thriving in every possible way. I don't root against America. I root for America. Because I think of those people living in desperate situations, and I want them to understand that a better day is coming. That's a lot about what this debate's going to be tonight. The way you frame the better way forward in this country. News Talk 1110 wbt It is the Brett Witterbull Show, hour number four underway. Let's go out and take some calls from the uh, great people who have been holding on. Let's go out and talk to Richard. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello, Richard. Richard going once. Richard go. Uh, Richard's not there. All righty. Let's try Robert next up. Robert, welcome to the program. Hey, Brett. You bring it every night, dog. Thank you, Robert. That's very kind of you. It's very true, sir. I'm looking forward to the, to the uh, debate tonight on the 1110 blowtorch. Um, I have a question that I asked Bill O'Reilly, believe it or not. I asked, uh, I asked him this question a little while back on Chris Cuomo's show. Mm -hmm. And it's a simple question. I think it's a broad question. And I think it might be a question that, uh, that these candidates have perhaps not thought about. The question is, President Trump has been pursued relentlessly now for approximately eight and a half years since he came down the escalator uh, in June of 2015 when he announced for president. Right. But 
does he deserve it? Does he deserve that relentless pursuit that he has experienced for these eight and a half years? Wow, that's, I mean, that, that depending on who you ask that question of, you're going to have a lot of different answers because you're going to have people who hate him um, saying he deserves it. And, and you're going to have people who love him saying he doesn't deserve it. Um, the, the, the question is, is, is a big one. I, I, I'll, 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 put, I'll put that in the hat for sure. You know, that's it's well, it's it's. Rollins said sometimes he started it. He yeah. started his answer. He, he, by the way, he answered this question for four or five minutes. Well, at least three or four minutes. But the first word out of his mouth was sometimes, and the crux of his answer was that President Trump needs to choose his battles right. uh, better instead of instead of right. taking every instead of taking every flight with mm-hmm. that chip on his shoulder. As a uh, as something that that needs to be responded to. That's what he, but that's what he does, right? That's why he takes it as a personal affront. He takes it as a uh, as a as a as a totally uh, bad thing. And uh, you, you're right. I mean, he does for for as tough as he is, he takes a lot of stuff very personally. Well, he's a big time competitor, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of it. Now, one of the first words that you said a minute ago was hate. And if I had to answer that question, I would have hate in, in as the crux of, or one of the cruxes of my answer because mm-hmm. so many people are just, they are just, they have sulfuric acid strength hate for him. I mean, if you ask That's me true. how many people I hate, I hate right. Osama, I, I, I hate Osama bin Laden, but I can, I can, uh, or the, the former Osama, yeah. I, I can name very few people who I truly hate. But a lot of people truly hate President Trump. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> look, it's 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 being it's being shown in real time, and that's the that's the that's the crisis of the moment here. You know, that's what we have to understand. So, it's uh, it's 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 a fair question. I will I will take it under advisement, there, Robert. Okay, I appreciate you being out there, my friend. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to a Bill next. Bill, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Oh, great, great show tonight. Thank you, sir. Three simple questions. Yes, sir. Is the is the border secure? Mm-hmm. And give me the definition of a man and a woman. <laughs> and if they can't answer those three questions the way we all know they should be answered, they don't deserve to have any votes. To go make any of our rules to uh, for the United States. What's your answer to those three questions that you asked me, or you asked for them? Um, borders <laughs> not secure. Uh huh. Um, the definition of a man: um, he can't have a baby, and a lady can have a baby. I know that's you. Well, we're on the radio, right? So we have to, right? I, 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 if we were having a couple of cocktails, we could. Get into more detail in that regard. Yes, um, so it's a chromosome. Well, that's why the guy from that's the guy. That's why the guy that uh, wrote "Man and Men Are from Mars and Women from Venus" doesn't have to work anymore. That's well, that's a very good point, Bill. That, you, you know what? That's a very wise take. I appreciate that. All right, I'll 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 throw that in the hopper. I appreciate you being out there, Bill. Thank you so much, man. You're great. You're a great caller. Uh, I'm going to go to Marianne next. Hey, Marianne, welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. Thanks for calling. 
Oh, yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to make one comment. I know you're looking for questions, and I'll tell you, there was a great question I heard this past week. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, Trump himself was the one that asked it. And his question was, how would people feel like if he got LeBron James Mm -hmm. and some of the biggest names in the NBA and got them to, quote-unquote, transition, he'd have the best basketball team in the world. He he would. He He said they'd never lose. They'd never lose. That's true. I mean, at the end of his career, I mean, he could he could decide to go do that, you know, and, and, and keep it up for a number of years. I mean, if he wanted to. Absolutely he could. And just, you know, like I said, quote, unquote, have these guys that are mm-hmm. professional basketball players and some retired just transition, if you will. The greatest yeah. team alive, that mm-hmm. you know, playing women in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't be able to stop them. And I, what's wrong with that? And look, here's what would happen. One of the because I've had this conversation with people who um, cover sports uh, for for a living. Um, for, first of all, the physicality that would be involved there, it would it would it would it would be it'd be pretty tough. I mean, you're talking about when you're going into the basket, when you're when you're coming in. I mean, that is that is a lot of size coming at you. And you're yeah. going to potentially get somebody's going to get hurt, and uh, that's a very good point, uh, Marianne. A great, a great call. I appreciate you being out there today. Thank you very much. Let's go to Richard. Oh, Richard called back. Okay, good. Richard, uh, what question uh, would you have? Well, really quick comment, but I think everybody has to realize this is all being purposely done. The Democrats are the party of chaos. They do not like this country. It's the socialist, Marxist, and communist. And the global elite, that's number one. Number two, my question to any candidate is, how are you going to bolster our electric grid that is very vulnerable? Mm, That's a big, you know, that is a huge point because an EMP can wipe us out in in about 10 seconds. And when the lights go out, I don't think people are going to be playing nice. No, when the lights go out, the people go out. That's exactly right. Um... That's really good. I, I do like that uh, a, a great deal. The idea of it, uh, hardening the infrastructure is an important point. Great stuff. Richard, thanks for calling back, and I appreciate you. you being there today, my friend. Right. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's that's not a joke. Infrastructure hardening is is one of the things that we got to pay close attention to. And when you consider how now, how how now, brown cow, how now we are reliant on the electric grid not not just not just for for our houses and our heat and our air conditioning and all of that, but it's our vehicles. So what happens if you if they drop an EMP and you got a whole bunch of electric vehicles around the country? What happens next? What happens when you have electric ambulances, electric fire trucks? What happens then? I don't know, but I know who I'm going to ask. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WBT, it is the Brett Whittable Show. Uh, we are making that turn for 
uh, what comes next, which is the uh, amazing debate that's going to be taking place here. WBT's 8th, North Carolina 8th Congressional District uh, GOP primary debate. Uh, they're going to start off uh, at 7 o'clock. Uh, Bo and Beth will be uh, sort of pre-gaming this, and then we're going to get into uh, the actual debate itself tonight, uh, starting at uh, at 7.30. And so th this is uh, going to be a 90-minute affair. Uh, we've got six candidates that are up there on the stage, and uh, we're going to be asking questions, and some of them have been submitted uh, I into the uh, into the question pile as well. So, you know, this is a very exciting time to, to be here and to be a part of this. And uh, again, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important I think it is to have have a, um, a a radio debate because it forces you to think about what it is you're hearing both being asked and also uh, being answered that's a very important part of it and it's very different um, now I want to I want to correct something that has uh, sort of been a topic here I know I've been saying Wingate I can also say Wingate and you you might remember that last uh, last week when we were uh, broadcasting or a week and a half ago when we were broadcasting um, from the uh, Crime Stoppers picnic I had the president of Wingate, Wingate, uh, on the show, and and he said essentially, uh, as far as he's concerned, you can say it either way because people say it either way. So I'm not trying to alienate anybody. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I've said Wingate, I think probably ten or fifteen times. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say Wingate the same amount of times. You ready? Wingate, 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 Wingate. Wingate, 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 Wingate. That's 15. There's like 15 segments of my show. So I have now said Wingate and Wingate, and uh, certainly it's going to be a great debate. And look, we're having a debate inside the moment before we have the debate, which I think is pretty awesome. All right, let me jump out here and uh, talk to some of the great people, including, but not limited to, John. John, welcome to the program. Hey, hey, Brett. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for taking my call, sir. Th thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, I got a question for you. I guess I'm going to need your help uh, maybe formulating this. So you're getting kind of the rough draft of this. Uh, this question is it, it, already. I kind of get an idea of how a lot of the candidates are going to answer on a lot of the hot button political topics. Mm -hmm. But there is one that maybe they're not expecting, and it, it is about just kind of the the their, the demeanor, their moral character, and and even the company they keep both. Uh, during their duties and after their duties. Mm -hmm. uh, like even just the latest story about one of the candidates' uh, wives uh, getting drunk after a party and urinating on somebody's motorcycle. Um, yes. I, I heard guess that. We have, I guess we have, yeah, we have, I guess we have the uh, the TT party candidate. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I, I, I want to know, I guess, to what extent did they say that that, would they say that, uh, Demeanor and moral character count, mm -hmm. and what are they going to do to hold themselves accountable and the, even the company they keep? That's a hugely important point. I mean, that 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 is not something that should be that should be right. uh, slacked on at all. Because what what we people need to remember, and I'm just reminding everybody, right. including me. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you, when you're a congressperson, you're representing 750,000 people, which means right. you're the face of the 750,000 people that live in that district, and right. th that's hugely important, and there's people that are going to agree with you and love you, and people are going to hate you, but right. you have to be able to just kind of keep it under control in a, in a very substantial way yeah. at a bare minimum. 
at a minimum. So I, very fair. That's a very fair question. Absolutely, yeah. John. Hey, well, well quick, quick part to that. Rhett, and I'll jump off here. Sorry, I didn't want to. Uh, I just wanted to uh, put this part in here. So it seems like for uh, for Republicans, when they make a boo boo, when they make a mistake, mm-hmm. they get hit especially hard. They do. So if if a, if a Republican wins this district, yes, and someone in there in either them, either they make a mistake or someone mm-hmm. in their presence makes a mistake. It really, it really reflects badly. Yes, so that's, that's it does. It does. Look, as a voter. look, value voters, I'm sorry, but, but this is true, John. Value voters are held to a higher standard. Okay, um, you, you can have all kinds of maniacal behavior going on, uh, a, a, a la you know the crazy, wacky uh, Hollywood types that go out and do all kinds of bad stuff. They never get called on on the carpet because they don't they, they don't offer up a value position. When you offer up a value position, you are going to be held to that higher standard, and that's g- good or bad or indifferent. That's what ends up happening. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Appreciate you being out there. Thank you so much. Let's go to Robert uh, next up. Robert, welcome to the program. Oh, hey, Bernie. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? So I want y'all to ask who, who uh, I'm in the 8th District, so it's, I'm looking at all these people. Uh, yeah. Who's going to be the biggest fighter? Uh, I I want, you know, I, I see these uh, guys like Clay Higgins and Chip Roy. Yeah. And I want, I want to say that my representative is like that. I want yep. somebody who's fighting for... For the Constitution, mm-hmm. I, I think one of them, I think it's uh, Brown, has put, get in the fight on a sign. So I just want to see who thinks they're the biggest fighter and who's going to be out there for us. That, that's uh, that's a great question. And you know what? I'm gonna I'll probably have to do it as a uh, a show of hands. You want to guess how many hands are probably going to go up? <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody. We'll that tonight. Yeah. Thank you. No, hey, I appreciate you being out there, man. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to grab this one next, real quick. Let's go to Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. Hi. How you doing? I'm well. Thank you for calling. Honored to speak to you. Uh, your show is an important part of my life. I listen every day. Thank you, sir. Um, uh, just a, a point of information on EMP. That yes. We discussed a little bit earlier. Yes, sir. It's going to take out the electronic ignitions in regular vehicles, uh, your, the chip in your toaster. Oh, um, this not is th- a whole lot more serious. Uh, back back when Robert Pittenger was our congressman, he, mm-hmm. he took it seriously. Um, I don't think he got too much traction. But what I'd really like to see is uh, someone with military experience. Um, oh, who yes. These things. Mm-hmm. So That's... I think there's a line of questions. Uh, that that would focus on that. I'd like to know who served, uh, uh, family members that served, and, and uh, things uh, things relating to the military because there's so much training and information they have that no one else has. That's right. We're, we're on the cusp of World War Three. Boy, I hope you're not right, but man, it sure feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, that it sure does. It's uh. Well, it it does. Yeah, you're getting into my. Uh, wheelhouse when we talk about this stuff and, and uh it doesn't look good I'm, I'm just sorry it doesn't look good yeah uh that look th- this is a very compelling uh, line of questioning and I, I do appreciate you uh, uh coming in here brian uh, i appreciate your your take on that and i will uh i'll try to i'll try to swing that one in there okay thanks yeah you're doing a great job thank you thank you sir appreciate you being out there you know 
we're going to grab a break here. We've got one more segment left, and then Bo and Beth are going to take over uh, the beginning of this next coverage uh, line. And then we will begin this debate at about uh, 7.30. So it's going to be amazing. Uh, you're going to learn a lot. And uh, tell your friends, this is going to be a really cool night tonight where we have uh, the, uh, the, the candidates at WBT's North Carolina 8th Congressional District GOP primary debate. I'm, I'm honored to be here and to be a part of this. I'm very excited. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Brett Waterville Show. Our final segment, uh, by the way, our final segment uh, of, the, uh, of the hour itself. And uh, you know what? Look, uh, here's, here's one of the things that I think, and I think it's an important overlooked thing, okay? I just want to ask somebody who's running for office. I'm, I'm, I'm totally serious about this. Why would you want to go to the loony bin that is Washington, D.C.? Like, why would you actually want to go and spend time there? And look, I understand. I get 100%. I, I get the, the Madison Cawthorn allure. I understand all that. Um, I, I get it. Uh, the, the the drinking, uh, the 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 messing around. I mean, I understand that there's an attraction for that. That does not that to me. I'm 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 just gonna I can I can level with my audience, and I'm gonna level with my audience. I gotta be in a moment. To me, the idea of going out uh, very serious here, going out and getting freaky deaky with people that you otherwise would not spend time with, is exhaust. The it's ex it's a, I would rather go home. I'd rather go home and and work on my stock tips. Uh, you know, I need. I want to look. If I'm shorting things, it's not in my shorts. It's in my portfolio, and that's what I, this is what I'm saying. Now, that's number one, and I'm, and I'm dead serious when I say this, because I think it's, if you're going to D.C. to party, you're dumb. The place you go to party is Miami, or L.A., or Barbados. That's a good one, I think. I've never been. But the fact of the matter is, that's, that's the, the wrong motivation to run for office. The idea that, like, hey, I can... I can I can wear a pin and then scream at the staff who are protecting me. I, you know, a little Sheila Jackson Lee action, no good. Don't want that. I I I would. I have proposed. Now Pete Callender is sitting next to me. We we can't be on the mic at the same time because we only have one mic and I'm on the mic. But let me let me say this. I said a long time ago, we need to find about 50 people to run for Congress, 50, and be the Kamikaze Caucus where they're going to come in and they're going in with a mission. We are going to do this, this, and this, and then we're done. We're not voting on another bill. We're not doing anything else. We're going to sit back and we're going to be like, got rid of the income tax at 11 o'clock this morning. Thank you very much. You're very welcome for that. Uh, we're going to get rid of uh, the death tax. Very good. Boom. And then something else that we would need to do. I don't know what that would be. But I, I have believed in, uh, for a very long time in the notion of a kamikaze caucus where you're just going to serve one term. They can't bribe you. They can't control you. No. Okay. It doesn't have to be. It can be. Well, I, they don't have to be Japanese. No. They, they don't. But here's the thing. My point is we're just going to go in. We're going to be one-termers. 
We're going to be less than one-termers. Now, wouldn't that be something? You go in there, you bring 50 people into the Congress, and you change fundamentally how things are done. Okay, earmarks, gone. Uh, uh, capital gains tax, gone. Uh, stepped up whatever real estate stuff. Just, we make America freer. And then we resign. So you, it's impossible to be corrupted at that point. You have now, you have now, but what the, you have to do is you have to have a trusted friend who's then going to go for the job you just had. See, that's what the squad is good at. They layer the progressivism. They layer it on top of stuff, on top of stuff, on top of stuff. They're not just going to have birthday cake. They're going to have birthday cake on top of nachos, on top of sushi on top of spaghetti on top of just like boom they're, they don't care they're, they're just they're gonna be brash we need to be brash you should go first of all anybody who goes to the Congress should refuse to go on I wouldn't go on television once I'd be like the hardest guy to if they came up and asked me for a quote I'd be like oh Manu Raju not no, no thank you CNN you're, you're an Acostaite. No, no, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, uh, who, who is that? Jonathan, Jonathan Lemire? MSNBC? No good. Not answering your questions. Uh, you have to, like, take the reins. Now, what I would do is I would go home, and I would spend a lot of time talking to my people. And what I would do is we got, we got about, like, 50, 100 people in here right now, maybe a little bit more. I would say to them, what do you want me to do this week? I would literally hold meetings and be like, I'm going back. What am I doing? What am I, what am I doing to them for you? I'm serious. This is how you win. It's how you build a loyalty. And then you give it up. You take that sword and you cram it into the stone like King Arthur. And you say, you know what? You're welcome. And then you refuse. Even, even in the aftermath, you refuse to do the interviews. We're going to get an amazing debate tonight because we've got incredible questioners. We've got questioners that are par excellence. You know, you see, you see what I just got? I just got a message. I just got a message shot to me that said, make America free again. Kamikaze Congress slogan, make America free again. Careful. People will not. It's, is that MAFA? Make America, make America free again. Yeah, it is. But here's the thing. Here's the little twisty problem there. Got to be careful. People will interpret free in a lot of different ways. In other words, I want that house. I'm taking this merch. I've got this new car. That's yeah, the yeah, right, right. And so that's this is what we're dealing with here. Pete is Pete is being very effective with me next to me because he's actually he's hyping me uh, as I say these things. He disagrees with probably all of everything I've just said. But he's supportive enough to sit next to me and not, you know, not, 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 exactly. It's a, it's a work through. Um, they can see the hats already. Let's make America free again. I, look, I want to make America free. America should be free again. We should be free. I'm telling you right now, the average American right now in the sound of my voice, and, and I'm serious about this, wants to be left alone. Just don't bother me. The problem is they don't smoke enough weed to become libertarian. And so as a consequence, you want, you want, some, norm, you want some normies. You want some normies to be out there to you know, be part of the situation. 
they don't you know i'm i'm sorry i'm not i'm not engaging in that behavior but i'm not going to come down hard on you so there you go this debate is uh for the wbt north carolina eighth congressional debate it's the primary debate it's going to be an amazing night we've got bo thompson i'm looking at bo thompson i'm looking over here at beth troutman i've got uh i've got magic uh, Magic Mark Garrison right there. I got I got uh, right here. I got Pete Callender. I got I got the uh, the better Brett of the two. Uh, Breaking Brett Jensen is there, and uh, Vince Coakley should be here at any moment. I think he was. Uh, I, I think he's coming in here any second. So I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. Um, it is uh, it is going to be a phenomenal night, and we're going to learn a lot of stuff. Now listen, don't take me totally seriously with what I just said, other than the fact that. I think we need to send Patriots to Washington, and they need to be willing to make a sacrifice and not lay there for the next 25 years. And if they are going to be there after one year or after one term or two terms or three terms, you just got to make sure they're not freaky-deaky. That's it, because freaky-deaky wrecks everything. And uh, these people who are up for tonight, these are, uh, these are American Patriots who are looking to sacrifice for this country uh, and looking to sacrifice for this district, and I'm excited to be a part of it. So stand by, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. We're going to head on over uh, to uh, uh, Bo and Beth here any second, and you're going to find out what these candidates are can doing for you. All right? That's going to do it for me. Uh, thanks so much to the uh, candidates who are here, Mark Harris, Chris Maples, Alan Bauckham, John Bradford, Don Brown and Lee Brown. And thanks so much for you spending time with us here today. We can't do it without you. Tell your friends to tune in. I am Brett Witterbull. The debate is straight ahead. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.